frig is this? A pop of, uh... There's nothing in it. Last week, I drove 43 miles to a restaurant I heard had good marinara sauce. How was it? Please. <laughs> the way I look at it, this is where you go when you die. Everything's so clean. Everybody's so nice. Good thing we're not broke or we'd really be miserable. I'm broke. But you get your check every week from the government, right? How long do you think you get your check? Forever. Yeah. Here's to forever. <laughs> what are you saying? Read the fine print. They only send you the check till you testify. Then they actually expect you to go to work. Bastards. Creeps. What the hell? We might as well go into business. There's enough of us here to start a crime wave. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that scene from the movie uh, My Blue Heaven from, uh, I don't know, the, the 80s or the 90s. Um, you know, and I, and I, and I use that to, to, illustrate, to illustrate, hey, you know, the government, the, they give you the check. How long do you think that check comes in? Well, after you testify, they actually expect you to go to work. Well, we got enough people here to start a crime wave. You know what? Think about what's going on here, folks. Think about what's going on in this country. Everybody's getting used to having their own check from the government. You don't have to go to work. It's more profitable to stay at home and be on unemployment. Hence, hence, you're finding lack. You know, I, I asked somebody at the store up in Montana, how come you can't find Diet Cokes in the bottles? Well, apparently there's a pro uh, problem with plastics. And uh, Pepsi's having a problem, and uh, and Coke's having a problem. We're having a problem with plastics. Um, I ordered I ordered a, a couple of shower enclosures for our house in uh, in Montana in Bozeman, and uh, they're supposed to be there a week. 
at uh, at Lowe's. And of course, a week later, they haven't even fulfilled the order yet. You know, hey, we the, because apparently someone at the wherever they're doing the glass, the putting those shower the uh, shower enclosures together, they're having a shortage of uh, of help. We're driving home on the way way home. We drive through Jack in the Box in uh, in Idaho early uh, Tuesday morning, and uh, there's a sign in there. Please uh, bear with us. We're short of help. And uh, apparently, uh, Jack in the Box is offering like seventeen, eighteen dollars an hour to start. And the lady at the window says they're offering people a five hundred dollar bonus just to start. And they still can't get people to start. We stopped someplace outside of Vegas at a at a Del Taco to get some uh, to get some tacos. And they say, and I asked them for a large Diet Coke. And they go, Oh, we're out of large cups. We're also out of medium cups. And uh, so I I get a couple of smalls. And she goes, We're also out of papers to wrap those tacos in. So we're wrapping them in wax paper. So I get a bag of tacos and the and the and the tacos are unwrapping themselves because they're wrapped in wax paper instead of regular paper because they can't get any of this stuff. Do you see what's going on here? Remember when I had Mitt Sandrew on here and he talked about what happens in socialism, how you're lined up at, at the stores because there's no groceries? You go into the store and there's and you know, you can't there's you can't find the stuff that you normally find. You want food to eat, but it's not there. It's starting to happen. Are you paying attention? It's starting to happen. We're seeing it. You're seeing on, you're seeing in the grocery stores. You're seeing it everywhere. This is happening. And you know what? Hey, you know what? Uh, the government's going to stop giving us our checks, so we'll start a crime wave. What do we see going on in California? A crime wave. We've uh, we've made it. We've made it harder to get things, harder to get things because uh, no one's working to create the the uh, the cycle of movement of product and the production of product. And then we're paying people to stay home. And then once that stops, the crime wave stops. So we, we stop making things against the law. America as we know it is going away. It's going away. I use that, uh, I use that song from Sticks, uh, Radio Silence. It seems like the last six weeks I used like four, four or five weeks of Tommy Shaw or uh, Damn Yankees or uh, Sticks. Um, but sorry, they just fit, you know, uh, radio silence. And I, and I use that radio silence, uh, to kind of, kind of illustrate, you know, what, uh, the things going on in, in Afghanistan and, uh, and I'll talk about Bi- what Biden does, you know, he, he's, he's hiding, he's hiding. Well, I was in, uh, I was in camp David on vacation while this stuff's going on. And then he comes in makes a speech and goes right back. And then he leaves there and goes to Delaware. He's hiding. He can't be in front of the microphone because he doesn't know what to say. Where's uh, where's where's Kamala Harris? Where's she? Radio silence. Where's Nancy Pelosi? Radio silence. The Democrats are destroying this country, and they're and now it's becoming global, and everyone's just the people that are just want to be on the on the mic all the time. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Adam Steaming Pile of Schiff. Jerry Nadler. Where are all these guys? Radio silence out there. Nobody wants to say anything because they don't have any explanation for the tremendous failure. Failure for to plan. Failure to have any any common sense about what's going on. Failure failure to to have any foresight. We are the laughing stock of the world right now. I send a I sent a text to my Democrat sister in uh in Pennsylvania, and I said, okay. Is this what you wanted? This is what your president's doing. 
we're the we are we are running up to uh, to the twentieth anniversary of of nine eleven and count on count on another terrorist attack. Something symbolic is going to come from Afghanistan or from the from the Muslims to to uh, to make some kind of symbolic gesture on nine eleven. I predict it. Can you just say that this is what you wanted or this is what, what you didn't want? And guess what? Guess what her response was? Radio silence. Nobody wants nobody wants to say anything. Because they can't say anything. There's no logic there. So I'm gonna talk I'm gonna talk about what's going on this week. And uh, but first, before I do, let me quickly introduce myself. My, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are always fantastic opportunities if you know where to look and how to and how to get them, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get some information on uh, financing some of those fantastic opportunities, but you don't want to talk on the phone, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the Summit Funding logo. That'll take you to my lending page, and uh, you can fill in all the information you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back, and you'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Whether that is to uh, purchase a piece of property that you would like to own or refinancing a piece of property that you uh, that you already own, or whether it's to uh, to check out that that uh, awesome uh, tool, financing tool for uh, people over 62, the reverse mortgage. You want to get some information on that from someone who will who will tell you straight. Or if it's uh, to uh, possibly uh, consider a piece of property in another state where it's not quite so crime ridden. Uh, if those, if one of those states that you're thinking about is is uh, Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, um, Texas, Arkansas, Tennessee. Florida, Georgia, Ohio, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, or Montana, I can help you with all those states. Um, just call me 855-640-2020 or edhoffman.net. Click on the Summit Funding logo. If you hear, if there's any part of the show you want repeated, you can also get the podcast on edhoffman.net podcast page. You can also uh, you can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, uh, Apple, i.e., uh, in other words, uh, Apple Podcast where you can subscribe for free and have it download once a week as we uh, as we uh, upload it on Fridays. It'll download sometime on Friday evening to your device, and you can uh, hear it on demand anytime you want. Um, follow me on Twitter where I, where I tweet about current events all week long. I'm at Ed Hoffman. Um, on the other uh, social medias, I'm at Big Ed Hoffman. Um, the Facebook page for the show is facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. Um, if you want to uh, do comments on the show, if you want to send me your comments, ed at edhoffman.net is the email to send those to. And don't forget also on edhoffman.net, you can, uh, you can now pre-order uh, my, my new book called Experience Matters. Here's mine. And I'll talk about that in the second half. Um, so let's talk about what's going on this week. Um, Afghanistan falls to the Taliban, the whole country. When the week began, the situation in Afghanistan had passed a critical point as Taliban completely overtook the country with almost no, no resistance from Afghan government soldiers. Uh, the Taliban now controls almost every major city, including the uh, capital, uh, Kabul. Um, President Ashraf Ghani fled on Sunday with the Taliban fighters taking control of the presidential palace 
and the current Taliban leader, whoever he is, declaring himself to be the new president. Um, the Taliban has now renamed the country the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. The legitimate vice president of Afghanistan, Amrullah Saleh, made futile attempts to remain in control as he stayed in the country. He also tweeted about President uh, Biden. He said, he, he, uh, he tweeted, it is futile to argue with at POTUS on Afghanistan now. Let him digest that. So in other words, hey, you know what? It's it's no there's there's no talking to to Biden. He's out of touch. He's out of he's out of touch with reality. Let him digest that. This is the this is what how the the world is looking at the United States of America and in general and and in specifics to our lack of leadership, our weak our weak president. Nobody's afraid of us. The Taliban is the Taliban clearly knew that there was no resistance. There was going to be uh, no fight from the from the United States, and uh, they just went in and took it. So as we all know, uh, Biden pulled away from his Camp David vacation long enough to fly back to the White House for his weak-kneed speech. After 20 years, I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. If anything, the developments of the past week reinforced that ending U.S. military involvement in Afghanistan now was the right decision. Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. The Afghan military collapsed, sometime without trying to fight. American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves. I stand squarely behind my decision. Yeah, he's, he, he stands squarely behind his decision because what else can he say? He has to try and project some strength, but inside, in, inside he's really saying, oh, geez, what did I do? I guess I screwed this one up. We've all seen the footage from Monday of the Air Force jet crammed with 600 people. Who are they? All we know is most of them are Afghans. Most of them appear to be men. Why do we get all the Afghans out before the Americans? You know, I think about this. I say, why do we take the military out before we got Americans out? Even on the Titanic. You know, the Titanic, they put the women and children uh, on, the, on the lifeboats first and let the men, the men get, uh, stand there and uh, protect them protect the women and children. So in this in this case, in this case you've got the military there that's there to protect our interest, but they didn't let the the civilians get out first. They all just ran. Who's running this show? Do they have any common sense? Do they have any any uh any military intelligence? What about the 10,000 plus Americans living work, and working in Afghanistan? No one seems to know the exact number because we're getting different figures depending on who, who in the administration is talking. You know what? If all these people are, are diplomats and working at our embassies, they're all part of our government. Why don't we know how many there are? What is going on? By Wednesday morning, the Taliban was controlling access to, to Kabul's airport as Americans, Brits, Australians all attempted to get it, to get on evacuation flights out of the country. And you know, and while we're while we have reporters on the ground, while people in Afghanistan are are posting things on social media, we see the chaos that's going on. 
Um, we're driving home from Montana, listening to Fox News and uh, Newsmax and all the stuff on uh, XM Radio. Well, Newsmax I have to listen to on my app. But um, we're listening to all the reports. We know it's chaos there. We know the Taliban... The Taliban is not letting people into the airport. We hear reports of beheadings. We ha- have reports of, of people being shot. And meanwhile, the government's out there saying, oh, the Taliban is saying that we're, that we're letting people into the we're, we're making sure we're not staying out of the way. They're staying out of the way to let people in. As gunfire erupted around the airport, Taliban fighters were releasing green smoke around, around the crowds. People remained stranded with no ability to get out. Taliban fighters created their own checkpoints around the airport, and, and by now we've all seen the photos of them beating and whipping people when they arrived, including young children. This is what we created. Now think about what we saw unfold on Wednesday, and then listen to what Jake Sullivan, the 44-year-old political strategist that Biden appointed to be his national security advisor, said just one day earlier. Can you tell us what is it exactly the commitment that you have secured from the Taliban regarding the safe passage of Americans as well as as tens of thousands of vulnerable Afghans? The Taliban have informed us that they are prepared to provide the safe passage of civilians to the airport, and we intend to hold them to that commitment. Do you believe them? Yes. How do we hold them to that commitment? We're not there. How do we hold them to any commitment? They don't they don't give a they don't give a crap what we say. We 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 uh we we just cut and run. Kind of like uh George H. W. Bush did after we uh liberated Kuwait. He should have gone into Iraq and stopped the uh and got rid of uh of uh, Saddam Hussein, but he cut and run because people said, Hey, you said we were going in to liberate Kuwait. We got the Iraq Iraqis out of out of Kuwait. And then he said, okay, you're right. Okay, we just pulled out. And we left all those all those fighters that were the Northern Alliance and the and the uh and the 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 Shia or the or the Shiites or the 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 ones that were fighting on on our behalf to try and overthrow Saddam Hussein. We just let them to get ki- left them to get killed. That's what Biden did. Just like George H.W. Bush did. Now let's let's go go back to what Jake Sullivan just said. Hey, we're going to hold them to that commitment to give them safe passage to the airport. But the Department Department of Defense put out this statement on Wednesday morning. US government provided flights are are departing. US citizens and LPRs, meaning uh, lawful permanent residents, and their spouses and unmarried children under age 21 should consider traveling to Har- Hamid Karzai International Airport. And then in big letters, big capital letters, the United States government cannot ensure safe passage to Hamid Karzai International Airport. I think they also put in a, uh, uh, I think they also put put out a statement that they can't ensure safe passage into uh, Kabul Airport either. The Pentagon said Thursday they have evacuated approximately 7,000 people. But how many are Americans? We don't know. John Kirby, the inept Pentagon spokesman, said he does not know how many U.S. citizens are left in Afghanistan. Who does know? Everybody's just got that dumb look on their face. Uh, uh, Didn't you guys think about anything before you acted? So when the Taliban flag will be waved across Afghanistan on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, whose fault will that be? 
Joe Biden claimed the buck stops with me in his speech. You've already heard him blame the Afghan government for not fighting back hard enough against the Taliban. He also blamed, of course, President Trump for negotiating with the Taliban as part of the exit strategy. When I came into office, I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. Under his agreement, U.S. forces would be out of Afghanistan by May 1, 2021. I am president of the United States of America, and the buck stops with me. Yeah, uh, you know, hey, he negotiated this thing. He also negotiated the XL pipeline. He also negotiated the stay in Mexico. He also negotiated the uh, the wall on the on the southern border. But you didn't have any problem canceling that. He also negotiated us drilling in Anwar in uh, the Alaska National Wildlife Refuge, and uh, and and we had low gas prices, all that stuff. But you turned all that stuff off. But now in the in this in this big failure, you blame it on Trump. What Trump negotiated. Jake Sullivan doubled down on the message of blame on Tuesday, also as reporters question him on Biden's ownership of the crisis. What is he taking ownership of? Not just the decision to leave Afghanistan, but is he taking responsibility for the chaos that happened during the evacuations, for the decisions not to do evacuations sooner? Is he taking responsibility for that and for any bloodshed that may be happening right now? Is he taking responsibility for that? He's taking responsibility for every decision the United States government took with respect to Afghanistan because, as he said, the buck stops with him. Now, at the same time, that doesn't change the fact that there are other parties here responsible as well who have taken actions and decisions that help lead us to where we are. Yeah, he meant Trump. Well, President Trump spoke with Sean Hannity on Tuesday about Biden's blame game. It's interesting to listen to Joe Biden blame you. Uh, I inherited this deal, he kept saying. We knew last week that 60% of the country had already been taken over by the Taliban. I want to be very clear here, because Secretary of State Pompeo on this program said that there wouldn't be an exit strategy that didn't include the current conditions on the ground. And you told the Taliban that if they violated any aspect of this agreement with territorial ambitions, under your plan, if they had taken over 5%, not 60, like they had last, 5% that was not in your agreement, what would have happened to them? We would have hit them very hard. Again, the words are conditions, plural, conditions based. It was a an agreement where actually we wanted to get out by May 1st and they violated the agreement, so we didn't. It's a great agreement from a lot of different standpoints, and frankly, Biden didn't have to even go by that agreement. It's a great thing that we're getting out, but nobody has ever handled a withdrawal worse than Joe Biden. This is the greatest embarrassment, I believe, in the history of our country. And we're all watching it unfold, history in the making. Now remember, 9-11 was organized by Al-Qaeda with Khalid Sheikh Mohammed as the mastermind. The Taliban takeover of Afghanistan had a mastermind too. Guess who it was? I'm not even going to bother trying to say his name because I couldn't pronounce it anyway, but he was released from Guantanamo Bay by Barack Obama in the Bo Bergdahl prisoner swap 12 years ago. Remember Bo Bergdahl, the guy who uh, was a was a deserter? He a uh, deserter of his unit in the in the army and his they they had a, a ceremony in the rose garden and his dad came up and spoke arabic to his son because he said hey he's been with the taliban for five years he may have forgotten how to speak english was that a little bit of a clue there was a problem 
Well, he gave away the guy who's leading the Taliban to take over Afghanistan right now. After getting criticism from all sides over his pathetic speech about COVID booster shots Wednesday, Biden gave an interview to George Stephanopoulos that night and appears he has no regrets on the withdrawal. When you look at what's happened over the last week, was it a failure of intelligence, planning, execution, or judgment? Look, I don't think it was a failure. Look, it was a simple choice, George. When the, when the Taliban, uh, let me back and put it another way. When you had the government of Afghanistan, the leader of that government, getting in a plane and taking off and going to another country, when you saw the significant collapse of the, of the uh, Afghan troops we had trained, up to 300,000 of them, just leaving their equipment and, and, and taking off. That was, you know, I'm not, this, it, it, that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think when you first saw those pictures? What I thought was we're, we have to gain control of this. We have to move this more quickly. We have to move in a way in which we can take control of that airport. And we did. So you don't think this could have been handled? This actually could have been handled better in any way? No mistakes? No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there, we, we're going to go back in hindsight and look. But the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happened. So for you, that was always priced into the decision? Yes. You know what? If the, if the Afghanistan, if the Afghani fighters were just going to lay down their weapons, if the government was just going to get on a plane and leave, they should have known that before they pulled everybody out. They should have had, had talks. They should have known all this. It's called planning, preparedness. Anyway, I'm a lot of time for this uh, half of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes, traffic, weather, and commercials, and I'll be right back with part two. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't often talk about uh, real estate and financing on the radio, but if uh, you're in the market to, uh, to to buy or refinance and you want to find out of, or you want to find out about those reverse mortgage things, you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. So it's been one year in the making, but my first book is finally out. Experience Matters, Here's Mine. It'll be released on uh, September the 10th by Liberty Hill Publishing, but you can pre-order it now. I want to make this easy for you to find, so we'll be putting the link on the Main Event Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman, and also on edhoffman.net. If you subscribe to our email blast, you'll get the first dibs at the pre-ordering. Um, if you don't subscribe to the Main Event email blast, but you'd like to email me at ed at edhoffman.net, and we'll get you on the list right away. So after September 10th, you'll be able to get the book on Amazon and all the other places that books are sold. But if you want to pre-order, and I strongly suggest you do, uh, you'll get them. Uh, you'll get the book much sooner. Look for the link on the main event Facebook page and at Hoffman.net. You can choose from either the hardcover or uh, or paperback, and both are available at a great price. 
So I want to tell you what you can expect from this book, starting with the title. I always say experience is the best teacher, especially when it's someone else's experience. That's the theme of this book. I'm sharing my experiences with you so you can save yourself time, trouble, headache, and heartache and make the right choices in your own life when they count most. I can't wait for you all to to see the cover. I work with a local artist who many of you know, my good friend Greg Adamson. Um, You see the the cover we start start out with hey this is a trip through life and then you're towards your goal and your goal so i i start out with a with an idea of of the road leading to the emerald city and a yellow brick road except for the yellow brick road didn't quite fit in my life and so we have a a road that looks like planks with the with the 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 american flag on there and you see you see a guy walking towards the emerald city and and the and the bright riches of of uh of life whatever those goals are in your life and there's a and there's a there's a street sign there and it has uh arrows and it says higher education raising kids career choices investing real estate politics and uh i i had a concept in my mind and trying to find the way to illustrate that and i called my friend greg greg adamson who's uh who's does a lot of performance art he's got a if if you're if you've ever been to my house, I've got a uh, uh, like four by six portraits of each beetle. So I got uh, John Paul George and Ringo that he painted all separately, and uh, I've got a Ronald Reagan in my office and an American bald eagle, and uh, actually I had him uh, do a uh, portrait of my wife one year for Christmas. Um, so I I asked him to help illustrate it, and I think it came out great. So let's talk about what's in the book. It's part memoir, part business advice, part conservative commentary. Come to think of it, it's a lot, a lot of like my show every every uh, every week that I do. After fourteen years, fourteen years of doing it, um, you know, I tried to put up put a lot of lot of my experiences and a lot of my my uh, my theories and and my uh, and my thoughts into it uh, into a book. My wife's been telling me for fifteen years I should do this and. Finally, I just said, okay, now it's time. My, you know, a lot of the things I put in there, my employees used to call them edisms, things that I always say and lessons I always teach. My kids call them dadisms. And uh, so I put them in there. I tell stories from my childhood growing up in Lakewood so you can learn a little bit more about me and how those experiences formed who I am today. And each, and each experience I put into a life, le- a life lesson. As I mentioned from time to time, I grew up in a Jewish family that wasn't particularly re- religious with two sisters and a brother. You'll get stories from that from uh, f- from that time that I've never talked about on the air, including the stories about, uh, about my dad, who uh, gave me a perfect example of what I didn't want to be in life. And I kind of just trudged forward successfully saying, if, if my dad did it this way, this is I'm going to do the exact opposite. You'll also learn about how I became the amateur world champion in arm wrestling six times over an eight-year period. Yes, that's a that's a real title, and I held it. I held it for uh, for like I said, over about I won it six years six years out of an eight or ten-year period uh, in the '90s. I don't talk about it very often, so most of you will be hearing that story for the first time. It was a fun part of my journey, and I think you'll enjoy reading about it and the lessons that I came from in my arm wrestling, 20 years of arm wrestling, the lessons that I learned and how they apply to all kinds of areas of your life. I arm wrestled in competition from uh, right out of high school, which was uh, 79, 79. So it started, started out competing in, uh, in arm wrestling in 19, 1980. And I arm wrestled till 2000, 2002, which was my last tournament in, in uh, New York City. And 
along the way, along the way, all the life changes going on through, uh, through getting, you know, coming into adulthood, finding my way in the, in my career and, uh, in my career, all the different career changes, um, uh, having my kids and, and ra- raising them, meeting, meeting my wife, Dawn in 1988. And, uh, the romance saga that led to uh to me uh tricking her into marrying me and it's been uh, 33 years since I since I met her and we're still happily married and uh and all the career choices and all the all the different things and while I'm while I'm arm wrestling you see the the difference between uh the intensity how the intensity of of my uh my sporting career there my competition how it changed as things changed in my life and and how how I looked at things a little different and in the beginning versus how you know through as I'm winning world championships and then after that shortly thereafter when I uh, was uh, actually had my doctor tell me right in front of my wife that it's probably a good idea if I stopped and uh, was not a happy situation there because I had no intentions of stopping and uh, and how you find how we found out later that. Uh, what my doctor predicted would happen if I, if I didn't, uh, if I didn't, how those things happened anyway. The book is also full of movie quotes, just like the show. You'll probably recognize a lot of them from the clips that we open up with every week. Here's a few. You, you say the meek shall inherit the earth. I say the only thing the meek can count on is getting the short end of the stick. That's uh, Steve Martin's line in A Leap of Faith. Principles only mean something if you stick by them when they're inconvenient. That's Joan Allen from the, the movie The Contender. Great ambition and conquest without contribution is without significance. That's uh, Kevin Klein from The Emperor's Club. The long way is easier, but it's longer. Much longer. I don't remember the exact actor that said that, but that's from the movie The Big Fish, which, if you've seen it, is full of all kinds of uh, uh, tremendous lines. Do you think a man can change his destiny? I think a man does what he can until his destiny is revealed. That's uh, the guy Watanabe and uh, Tom Tom Cruise from uh, The Last Samurai. Every chapter of this book starts out with a movie quote. And if you think they're all from inspirational movies, think again. I cover everything from Tommy Boy to Finding Nemo in here. So you'll enjoy it no matter what your favorite movies are. Here's another one. It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. A lot of you know this this one from a league of their own, Tom Hanks. And, you know, that's true about whatever you want to achieve in life. And there's tons of business advice in this book, along with my own story of climbing the ladder. From uh, age 15, uh, lying about my age so I could get a job in the restaurant so I could earn money to buy a car when I was in high school. Um, to uh, selling tires, actually from busting tires uh, in my college years to... Uh, to uh, you know, put tires on and and then eventually uh, selling tires and then into uh, into management in the tire in the tire industry and uh, into uh, corporate management at Sears and then uh, into working at car dealers. Tons and tons and tons of life lessons that I learned along along that path. Uh, to, and then dabbling in the world of multi level marketing in my in my early twenties as well. Uh, from uh, trying the Amway business to uh, actually being successfully involved. In the uh, in A. L. Williams, which be, which uh, eventually became Primerica Financial Services, and how I made the natural transition into the mortgage business, uh, how I landed there in uh, by uh, the, my late twenties and into my thirty thirties and achieved uh, finally achieved some some uh, some 
giant success in the mortgage industry. I promise it's an interesting story you can learn from no matter what your career is. There are stories I've never told on the show before, like the time I traveled into uh, all the way to uh, Pelican Bay Prison to do a loan for one of LAPD's top 10 most wanted gang members. It's a true story. I think it'll make you laugh, and I think it'll be uh, very interesting. I, I tell the story. I, tell the, I wrote the book, How I Tell Stories on the Show. So it's easy reading and there's lots of good stories uh, that will inspire you and a lot of good stories that will uh, make you think. And uh, the idea is to show you guys that you can achieve anything if you do what it takes. Uh, Learn from my experiences. Um, I actually had Dennis Prager, um, who, who a lot of you know and listen to and admire. And I had him, he read the whole book and he wrote in the book, it's actually on the inside front cover. Experience Matters is a treasure trove of practical advice. Ed Hoffman has lived a fascinating life. He has turned each one of his many varied and engaging adventures into a gem of wisdom. Read this book and profit. Then get your son or daughter to read it. Bribe them if you have to. That's how good and how much fun this book is. I was honored by Dennis that he, that he, uh, he actually read the whole thing and, and, he, uh, and he, and he wrote, that, wrote that review of it. I think this is a great book for young adults. I think it's a great book for no matter what your age is. I think it's uh, I think you'll find it interesting and entertaining. But let's talk about real estate investment portion of the book. This is chapters 15, 16, and 17. If you want to invest in real estate, whether you want to flip houses or you want to generate an income stream from renting them out, I tell you how to do that. Uh, you can learn from some, some young slick guy on YouTube who's only been doing it a few years, or you can learn from Ed Hoffman, who you listen to every week, and who you know has been successful. Think about it. I tell you the stories of how I started out uh, trying to save for my retirement and how I turned to real estate after uh, how I turned turned to real estate at some point and, and started flipping houses. I tell you how I how I uh, how I went in with th- how I went in with with uh, three partners, three partners, and we bought 48 houses over the course of a year and a half and and flipped them and and the mistakes that we made and the and the and the the smart moves we made and as well as the mistakes we made and how after i after i started deciding to to buy and hold how i went back and looked and looked at had we just had we just not sold those houses and not got so so uh look looking for immediate gratification how if we could have just fixed them up and instead of selling them stuck renters in them and if we waited three more years how we left six million dollars on the table of profit that we could have that we could have done if we knew if I understood the market cycles at the time, and the at the time when we were buying to flip, it was really a great time to buy and hold, and we were flipping them and we were making money and we we're losing some money on some, and it turned out that had I just had I understood the market cycles at that time, I could have just held on to those properties for three more years. And that wasn't even the top of the market at that time. If I held them till 2003, 2004, not even held them till the top of the market, I left $6 million on the table that I, that we could have done plus all the cash flow from renting those things out over those three years. And uh, I teach you the, the smart moves as well as some of the dumb moves to avoid. And, uh, you know, Warren Buffett says there's two rules in investing. Number one is don't lose money. Rule number two is don't forget rule number one. I tell you about when I first started buying houses to uh, to hold and actually uh, generate as rental houses. How some of the property some of the properties I bought I wouldn't buy them again today. 
You know, I bought houses that seemed like a good deal and they cash flowed. But if I had to do it again today, some of those properties I wouldn't have bought. Uh, whether it be for the location or the size or uh, or the, the condition I bought them in. And, uh, and you know what? I tell you what kind of properties you want to look for in what kind of neighborhoods. And uh, I made I made a lot of great smart moves, and I made a, and I made I made a few moves that I wouldn't do if I had to do over again. I wouldn't. And uh, quite frankly, I know God's looking out for me because some of the decisions I made, uh, had I not made them the way I did, could have wiped me out. So I tell you how to avoid those kind of mistakes as well. I talk about my first experiences in real estate investing and what you need to do to get started. I know it's easy to get overwhelmed. You know, hey, I want to be I want to be a gazillionaire like Robert Kiyosaki. I want to be a gazillionaire like all these some of these great uh, you know, Donald Trump and all these people that have been successful in real estate, but it's easy to get overwhelmed by it. Um, so how do you do it from ground zero? What I did, what I did, anybody can do. You don't have to be in the mortgage business and you don't have to be a financial whiz. You don't have to have a financial uh, a financial degree. You don't have to have an MBA. Um, you just have to do it one property at a time. Don't get overwhelmed. And I'll give you some strategies that I developed myself in, uh, in doing my one property at a time and then kind of uh, putting out offers out there. And all of a sudden I have... Uh, and I and I intended to buy them one at a time, and all of a sudden I found myself with within a 24-hour period of three properties I really wanted, with accepted offers on it. And I really didn't have that in my plan. And how I and I, how I took some of my some of my uh, creative energy and my creative uh, imagination and created a, a system that I call money for nothing, and uh, and utilized other people's money to help pick them up faster with less less cash out of my pocket. And, uh, so I talk about that. Um, you know, so how do you, how do you do it from ground zero? You, the answer is you don't get overwhelmed by the bigness of it and read my book and I'll take you through it. Take the baby steps, uh, starting with house number one. I know it's, I know there's bad information out there that pushes new investors to take big steps too quickly. But when you're, when you're starting out with 10,000 bucks, you can't afford to buy a $5 million apartment building. So don't worry about it. Just buy properties that will appreciate when the market cycle is right in the right phase for you. Um, how will you know what the right phase is? I'll show you in the book. I'll teach you how to watch the four phases of the market cycle so you know the best time to buy, the best time to hold, the best time to sell. I tell you what to watch for so you know what phase the market cycle is in. So right now, right now we're in a seller's market one and we're, we're rapidly approaching a seller's market two. Um, what does that mean? You need to read the book so you'll, so you'll know what that means. And I provide real numbers you can use to calculate your return on investment when you're first starting out. Um, and, I, and I mean for you to calculate your potential profit on an investment so you know when what is a good investment and what is a great investment. And look at it say, hey, you know what? Just because you live in uh, Los Angeles doesn't mean that you need to invest in Los Angeles. I had somebody ask me the other day about, a, hey, you know what? I want to buy some some cash flow properties, so I need to get into this this uh, two unit. And I say, hey, you're going to lay out $100,000 $100, to get into this thing. And you're either going to be a little bit negative or you're going to be a little bit positive. I said, you know, to lay out $100,000 to get a, a $100 a month positive cash flow is a huge risk when you think about the fact that, hey, uh, one, one, uh, one month of, of vacancy wipes out a few years worth of your profits. 
So I take you through I take you through the the numbers. I show you how to calculate calculate your returns when you're first starting out. If you're ready to start buying properties or you're wondering if now's the time to sell your properties that that you have or you have adult kids that want to get started investing in real estate, this is the book for you. Experience Matters, Here's Mine by Ed Hoffman, available now for pre-order on edhoffman.net. Here's one more movie quote from The Big Short. Do you have any idea what you just did? You just bet against the American economy. That's Brad Pitt from The Big Short. And if you know the and if you know the scene, they're saying, "Hey, we're making this bet. We're going to clean up on this." But you know, if you clean up on it, the American economy is failing. Every week on the main event, I tell you guys to call me if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate. If you read this book, you'll feel like I'm sharing my secrets of real estate investing directly with you because that's exactly what I'm doing. So speaking of real estate, people have been asking me for years uh, to explain the 2008 mortgage meltdown, the, the mortgage crisis that became a global economic meltdown of the whole world economy. We go through every single detail of it in this book. It's not boring. I lay it, I lay, lay it all out in a way that's entertaining so it'll make sense no matter who you are. Whether you're someone who lost your house in the crisis 12 years ago, or you're trying to get into real estate investment and you want to avoid the mistakes of the past, you'll get something from this part of the book. If you're a, if you're a fan of the big short, I just don't dupli- I don't just duplicate the way they told it in the movie because they, they show a, a window. They show you a, 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 a a segment of time of when it was actually failing and how, and how that, and how that, uh, how that laid out. I go into details about the contributing factors of the crisis, the community reinvestment act, which was enacted in 1977 by Jimmy Carter, and then expanded into oblivion in the nineties by who else? Bill Clinton. There's a lot more on Bill Clinton's role in the crisis, like the repeal of FDR's Glass-Steagall Act of 1933. That repeal by Bill Clinton is what enabled the banks to become so large that they were too big to fail. Remember that? Hey, we're too big to fail. The government has to bail us out. Christopher Dodd and Barney Frank, who did the actual revision of the Community Reinvestment Act, in doing so, they lowered the mortgage buying standards at Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And because Barney Frank did a lot more damage beyond that, we go into detail about everything he did to cause the mortgage crisis while denying it every step of the way. We talk about the Bush administration's role and how the reforms that President Bush wanted weren't enacted until it was too late. This was thoroughly researched because I wanted you to have every detail, and I think you'll enjoy learning about it because I know you guys are smart. You guys email me all the time about theories, uh, your theories about uh, things that are going on in politics, so I know you use your brains. I can't always answer, but if you read this book, you'll know you've been hurt. So that brings me into politics. It's now 2021 and Joe Biden is president, and there's a whole bunch of things going on that, that weren't going on when Trump was the president. But we were able to get some of Biden's first days in the book, plus all the good things that Trump did. I start out the politics section, which is chapters 26 and 27, with my own observations about politics over the year. Why does that matter? Because we all have our own memories about watching each president as we grew up. And we don't always understand what's going on at the time. But now we're all grown up. We can research what all, what all that was about and form informed decisions about history. And, and you know what? Uh, and I talk about how, how what was going on at the time and what we heard and what we saw and how that changed the way I, the way I thought about politics and the way I thought about the world, the world and what I thought about how, how our, our economy works. And that's what I tell you guys every week to do on this show. 
pay attention and, and pay attention and watch how this shapes, shapes your life. So I'm showing you that I had to do it too in my own life. Plus, you'll love the way I, I lay out the flaws in every Democrat presidency in our lifetimes, from Jimmy Carter to Bill Clinton to Barack Obama to Mr. Magoo we're dealing with in, in the White House right now. I want to close with one more movie quote from the, from the American president. People want leadership, Mr. President. In the absence of leadership, they'll listen to anyone who steps up to the mic. I thank you for giving me the mic every week on this show. And I hope you all know I wrote this book with all of you in mind because so many of you have told me that I think like you think. I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of all of you. And I'm proud of the book that it took a year to write and uh, 15 years for my wife to convince me to write. And I hope you'll, I hope you'll give it a read. Pre-order the Experience Matters. Here's mine right now. Go to edhoffman.net or facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman for the link to order. Also, coming up September 12th, Town Hall 2021 is happening uh, through the AM870. Um, if you want to wait to buy the book until that event, you come out come out to the Hyatt Regency in Garden Grove. You can get tickets on uh, am870theanswer.com. Uh, Town Hall has uh, all these speak people speaking. Charlie Kirk, Larry Elder, our future governor, uh, Mark Levin, Sebastian Gorka, Dennis Prager, who endorsed my book, Grant Stinchfield and Jennifer Horn will all be there speaking as well. I'll be out there, and uh, if you buy a book out there, I will uh, I will uh, autograph it for you and come out and meet me. And uh, I'll look forward to uh, to meeting you out there. It's going to be a great event. If you've uh, if you've never been to one, it's uh, it's worth the drive to Orange County. And uh, so come on out and and uh, meet me and uh, get your book, and I'll autograph it right there for you. Well, that's all the time I have for this episode of the main event. Thanks for listening. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1026588, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated, NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.